Good morning. How are you all? It's good to see you all. You guys good? Happy? Healthy, wealthy, and wise, right? I want to read you, actually I'll just tell you just quickly, for those who are visiting, obviously a personal welcome. My name is Clayton. It's just wonderful to lead this church with a team of people. This week, my wife, we have two sons, Michael and Matthew, and Michael went to, uh, I forget, I don't even know the name of the school, but he goes to school. And he, um, <coughs> typical dad, right? But he goes somewhere, and it's an awesome place. So when you find out where it is, if you have little kids, you should do that. But um, they send him to school, and they say, they ask him stuff about, you know, mom, fill in the blank, mom, fill in the blank. And they said, your mom is how old? You know, your mom is blank old. And he puts 15. And I was like, that's awesome. And then they said, your mom's job is blank. And he says, to wash dishes. <laughs> and then he goes, and then the next line is, um, your mom is good at doing blank, washing dishes. So, I think they think I'm just some mean husband. I don't know, but it was very, very funny. It's good to honor the moms, amen? One of you would stand just for a moment, just while I pray. It's more just to get you to stretch. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for truth. We truly do, Lord. And I thank you that your word is the ultimate authority, that your word will never pass away. I thank you, Lord, that you have sent of your spirit and that the Word was breathed by the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for your Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Wonderful. So this morning, I want to continue speaking about faith. And uh, last week, my dad started a series on faith. I asked him to speak on faith, largely because he is a man of faith. He really, really is. But faith is something that is very dear to my heart, very close to my heart. I, I love what he said about faith, you know, wait, worship, and watch. I found it very encouraging. You know, often I've heard messages on faith that make people feel lack or make people feel like they should do more or make people feel like, well, I don't have it. Who's ever heard a message of faith, but you walk out of the room feeling just depleted? Who's ever felt that? Okay, yeah, me too. And I just would like to bring a message on faith that brings some encouragement. And that's why I love what my dad did, just in terms of wait, wait on God, wait on God, while you wait for promises. The Bible says promises take faith and patience while you wait, worship. And in that position of worship, it's that worship that prepares you and transforms you to receive what God actually wants to bring. It's a very, very wonderful message. But when it comes to the subject of faith, many people have disappointments. Many, many people have disappointments. Faith always has testimony. The Bible speaks about that. But faith also has disappointments because there's been some damaging messages or damaging even doctrines of faith over the years in different parts of the world and even in this nation. But faith is exceptionally powerful. And faith is something that I, it's just very dear to my heart. And uh, having grown up in a family of faith and seeing a mom and dad who operate by faith, I remember even sitting around the table when we had no money and growing up in Africa. And I remember the one night sitting around the table with no food, we set the plates out, no food, and just praying saying thank you God for the dinner and just just a whole understanding of faith and as we would pray food arrived at the door and so when you grow up with testimonies of faith and seeing faith that actually has evidence seeing faith that actually has fruit you start to wonder and think what is this thing faith what is this thing called faith and unfortunately I've seen many be hurt by it as well and certain teachings on faith will tell you that you know you, you cannot say certain things can I just kill the sacred cow right now? We just put it, it's Mother's Day, we put it on the altar, sacrifice it, go home, eat it. You know, 
I've heard people say, oh, you can't say that. If you say these bad things, then it's faith. Friends, when people came to Jesus, Jesus didn't say, don't say it. The man said, I'm blind. Jesus didn't say, well, you're blind because you're saying you're blind. He just said, be healed. Hello? And I understand when we get into a place where all we say, all we do is constantly out of our mouth, negative, negative. That will have an effect. People are afraid to even just say what's in their heart because they think they're going to be damaged by a lack of faith. You just put that stuff aside and go back to the Word. Amen? People didn't say, well, you can't say it. Jesus just healed them. Is that okay? So, we're going to look at a text, Hebrews 11. Over the next few weeks, we're just going to teach on Hebrews 11. But partly what I would love to, to see God just bring revelation to your hearts and to our hearts is that faith, what I call patriarchal faith, you know, the old patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Patriarch faith for me was a way of seeing. It was actually a way of seeing. They saw and thought like God saw. They think like he thinks. They, so when situations happen, they see differently to the way others see. It's the way of seeing. I wrote this, the strength of proper thinking is when you tap into the way God thinks. The Old Testament said his thoughts are higher, his ways are higher, as if to say they're too lofty for us, which they are in a sense, of course. But the New Testament says in 1 Corinthians 2, his thoughts and his ways are higher, but now it has been revealed by his spirit. And so the strength of proper thinking is to actually learn to think the way God thinks and to learn to see the way he sees. Then any situation, any person or situation, it's not just the effect that you have on that person or you have on that situation through positive thinking or positive attitudes, yet that is still powerful, but you have the backing of heaven behind you because you're thinking in alignment and agreement with how God thinks. Very, very powerful. Very, very important. And the whole point is agreement. The whole point, you know, the enemy has no authority. And I say this all the time, but the enemy has no authority. He has power, but he has no authority. His authority has been taken. I wish I had time to get into that and unpack that, but he has no authority. He had no authority. He fell. He took authority from man through sin. They legally gave him the keys. So he has no authority until man gave it to him. Jesus took those keys back and gave them back to the church. He has no authority, yet he has power. His power can only be exerted over people through agreement. When you agree with the lies, when you agree with what he th thinks, what he says, when there's that agreement that aligns up, his power becomes manifest in your life. It's the counterfeit of heaven. God's power is released through agreement, through the renewing of the mind. And when you think like he thinks, the power of the Spirit can be released into a person's life, into a situation, into a city. That's why lies, that's why he's the father of lies, not God, the devil. And we need to stop thinking that it's Jesus and the devil. It's Jesus and that's it. The opposite of, of, of the devil is Michael. Not Jesus. It's Michael. Friends, it's just a whole understanding that it's about agreement. When the angels came down and they, 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 they just spoke when Jesus was born, they said, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. The highest and on earth, meaning the highest is what? Heaven. Glory to God on the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill towards all men. The whole point, even then, the whole throughout this book, it's about an agreement of earth with what's happening in heaven. 
There's an alignment. There's an agreement. Glory to God here, but on earth, peace. When you think like he thinks, when you look and you see like he sees, when you see a broken person, are you seeing what he sees or are you seeing what you see? Abraham saw. He learned to see as God sees. And he became the father of faith. Faith. Because now I'm going to say something that might unend some people. God is not moved by human need like you and I think. Please hear what I'm about to say and don't hear what I'm not saying. God was moved by the need of humanity, so he sent Christ. Greater love doesn't exist. He sent his son because of the need of humanity to restore something and to bring back salvation and peace and life, peace and goodwill towards men. But he is not moved by human need like you and I are moved by human need. Yet he is full of grace and compassionate and slow to anger and merciful and all-powerful. But he's not moved by human need like we think, friends. He's moved by faith. If God was moved by human need, then Sudan, Haiti, and Mozambique would suddenly become the most wealthy place in the world because he's moved by the need. <laughs> he's moved by faith. He's moved by faith. Because if God was moved by need, then all we would have to do is make sure that we're in a position of need to try to attract God's attention. He's already attracted to you. He already loves you. He's already given his life for you. But he's moved by faith. There's something about faith. Faith moves God. Yet his love is free, his love is full, and his love is the same to every single person in this room. His love is the same to the people who are not yet in this room. It's the same. But he's moved by faith. By faith. I heard someone give this example. It's not completely whole or true, but it's just a help, helpful understanding. If I owned multiple homes, and I rented a home to Duane, I have the master key. It's my home. But I cannot go into it unless I'm invited. It's actually against the law. God made the heavens for himself, the Bible says. But the earth he made for man. I'm just trying to paint a picture of some level of responsibility that we have, and I'm not talking about the ecosystem, about heaven and earth alignment. God made the heavens for himself, but the earth for man. He owns it all, but at times there's a partnership and an invitation required for him to come in and act. Hello? That's a fact. That's what the Bible teaches. I just feel, just break some things off some people. Friends, the goal is not to get everyone in town saved. That's a huge part of it, obviously. But if everyone in Leesburg, Reston, Percival, Lovettsville, wherever you're from, if everyone got saved today, you would wake up in the morning, there would still be poverty, there would still be broken relationships, there would still be maybe some addictions that weren't broken. It would transform a city, of course, because God's invaded. But the goal is the transformation and the healing of the whole person. But to begin to align into themselves and think like God thinks and see like he sees, and people to be set free and live free from others and free from the old man, and to begin to be transformed by the renewing of their mind into the very image of Christ so they can begin to become a light to the world. doesn't happen without salvation, but it's not the end goal. And that process happens by faith, by faith, because you learn to see like he sees. By faith. So let's go to Hebrews 11. We're going to take the next few weeks to just unpack Hebrews 11. I might just get through a few lines today. I'm just going to lay somewhat of a foundation. Next week we're going to look at some very interesting things. I've divided it up just really 
you know, the, we talk about different types of faith. Uh, it's more to help us understand the different types of faith, saving faith, empowering faith. But that's just to help us understand. My heart is don't get dogmatic about faith. But don't formulate something and come up with a, this like science formula for faith because it's based on a relationship, not on a formula. Please hear my heart. That's why it's different for every person. It's different for every person. There is a journey of faith. There's not a moment in faith. There's a journey of faith. So, Hebrews 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, by what? By faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made out of the things that are visible. It's an incredible introduction to faith. It's one of the few things that the Bible gives us a definition of. So if you've heard this before, I'm going to ask you to listen. Faith is substance. Faith is evidence. Very, very important just to understand what is this thing called faith. And I've seen many people that have faith in faith. If I just have enough faith and it's like this stress, but faith only flows when there's peace and rest in the heart. Faith flows when you have some understanding about who your God is and who your Father is. Then faith will begin to flow naturally, easily, because there's a journey, there's a process, there's a testimony of faith behind you. So, faith is substance. The word substance is the word hypostasis. There in the Greek, hypostasis, assurance and confidence, yes. In the, there's a, it comes from two root words, one hypo and the other one I cannot remember. The two root words, whose Bible says faith is confidence? Who says confidence in their Bible? Okay, a few people. That's a different translation. The Bible says faith is hypostasis. So it's going to take a while to unpack this because it's very important. That word comes from two root words, which means to stand under, not to understand. The one means to stand, and the one means to remain under something. So this is, in a sense, what it's saying. Faith is the ability to stand under and remain standing for the things that we hope for. It's the substance of things hoped for. Let me pause there. Where does hope come from? Who's ever met a person? They're just absolutely void of hope. A Christian. Well, go a few pages back. This is not in the notes, but it's just something God's put in my heart of the years. The Bible says here in Hebrews 6, 18, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil. What does hope mean? Expectation of good. That's actually what hope means. There's an expectation of good. What is hope anchored to? His presence. You have access to His presence because of the cross. So it's like you're standing, but there's an anchor that goes from you behind the veil into the most holy place, into His very presence, His very person, and there your hope is anchored. And because you've been in His presence, God has put something in your heart, and there's an expectation of good. Even though situations all around you contradict that very hope. Even those situations all around you, what you see with your natural eye is opposite of that hope. Faith takes that and makes it a reality. Faith is the ability to stand under, to remain standing for the things we hope for. The expectation of good things that have been put in our hearts because we've been in His presence. 
even when there is no reportable evidence that the answer or the resolving of a situation is in sight. The substance is already in our heart. That's faith. That's faith. The Bible says faith is evidence. It's the substance of things hoped for. It's evidence of what? Things not seen. The word evidence is the word elochos. It comes from the word elocho, which means proof. The process of proving or testing, conviction. The word it comes from, the root word, actually means to prove something in order to bring it into light. And that doesn't mean like I'm going to expose something. It's like a scientific testing that you have a conviction in your heart that this thing is true that I'm trying to prove. It's like a math proof. You know, you've watched those movies where they come up like Pythagoras or whatever, and they, they just have this conviction and they come up with the proof to say this, this is now evidence. <laughs> faith is evidence. If faith was evidence, like it says, it means this in our language. Faith is the process. It's a process of a divine conviction that starts to bring to light the reality of things that you cannot see. Because the unseen is a greater reality, friends, than the seen. The Western world struggles with that. They, they struggle. I don't come from the Western world. <laughs> I just don't. And because of that, we were birthed in this understanding all our lives of the greater reality of the unseen realm. You face it every day in Africa. The greater reality is the unseen. It's the realm you cannot see. Which one was here first? Which one will be here after? This world will be wrapped up, but he will never be. He will remain. The Bible says that the things which are made were made by the things which you cannot see. <laughs> Faith is the process of divine conviction that starts to bring to light the reality of things he cannot see. It starts in our hearts. And then there's a fight. The Bible talks about the fight of faith. There's a fight. There's a fight. The flesh, the intellect, the will, the soul, the mind, all the... Everyone throws their opinion in the ring. Well, I think this. Well, I think that. Well, I think this. And that guy told me that. And there's a fight of faith. And conviction begins to be birthed inside of you. And eventually, you become assured and grounded and steadfast that the greater reality is what you cannot see because it's based on Jesus Christ. And because of that, it starts to come out your mouth. That's why there is some truth. Please hear what I'm, I'm not trying to disagree with what I said in the beginning. There is some truth to the word of faith stuff. The problem is some of the fathers of that movement had walked this process for 30 years. So when they spoke something, it was in their heart. It was powerful. It was, there was, to them it was real. But then people made it a formula. Well, just say what he says and you'll get what he has. No. No. For him it's real because of his relationship. doesn't mean it's real for this person. It's just a fact. Then after it starts to come out of our mouth, it actually becomes an action. Faith is substance. Faith is evidence. Faith, just like hope is anchored in his presence, faith is anchored in the unseen realm. Some of you right now, I know because it's my job to know, some of you are facing severe storms, severe storms in life. Faith is anchored way down into the unseen realm where you cannot see. And that unseen realm is a greater reality. It is a more sure thing. That's what faith, that's where it's anchored in the unseen realm. And that gets built when you spend time in his presence. 
begins to become more, more real to you, truth to you. And so what happens, it begins to change the way you think. It's anchored in the unseen realm, but what is it anchored to? It's a good question. Thanks for asking it. But what is it, what is it anchored to? What is it anchored to? Most people would say, if you grew up in church, say, well, it's anchored to the Word. Friends, that is true, but it's more than that. It's anchored to God Himself. Because when we say the Word, we think Bible. Abraham, the father of faith, did he have a Bible? He had God's Word in his heart that God spoke to him. Friends, the thing that is powerful about this, that when God speaks... Now, he will speak to you mostly through this. There's multiple ways he speaks. I believe that they're all present today. Visions and dreams. And if you're not part of this house, you'll be at two weeks. You'll realize we believe in all that wonderful, beautiful things that God has given us. But what makes it powerful when God speaks? It's because he's the one who spoke. It's not about what he said. We live and die by what God says because it's he who said it. Not so much what he said. We hang on to what he said. I hang on to, to the best of my ability, to the one who said it. That's where your faith is anchored in the unseen realm. It's because he said it. Not so much about what he said. What he said will come to pass. F.F. Bosworth wrote a book, Christ the Healer, in, in uh, I don't know when it was, 1950, 1960. And he said that to have faith is impossible where the will of God is not known. It's impossible. Why? Because even Gamaliel knew this. He said, if they're fighting God, they can't win. When we haven't taken the time to walk with the Lord and to discover His will, His plan, His heart, His power, His majesty, His goodness, His Father's heart, His love, we've wrestled things out in the presence of God. We've wrestled things out in the Word. We've, there's something of something in us that is anchored to who God is. Then, what happens when storms come? We can remain anchored. Because how do we do that if we, if we think, well, what if this is God's will? Or, you can't fight God. It's a very bad idea. So what happens is doctrines come up. Well, this is God, and God's doing this. Friends, let me just say it this way. I've always, Jesus Christ is perfect theology. God is not involved in anything that Jesus made a payment for. Anything Jesus paid for, because otherwise you have a divided kingdom, and a divided kingdom won't stand, and his kingdom will never pass away. Anything Jesus paid for, sin, sickness, spirits, torment, God doesn't put that on people. Jesus paid for it. Jesus never walked away from a person and said, sorry, this one's from my dad. It's a fact. If you want to know what God's will is, look at the life of Christ. He was the will of God on earth. He is perfect theology. Friends, faith sees. What is eternal life? Eternal life is what? To know God. I'll read it. I think I've got it in my notes. Jesus speaking says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ who you, whom you sent. Why the only true God? Why that? Obviously, he's the only true God. You know, Vikings with Thor and Odin and all their gods, Roman mythology, Greek mythology, Friends, they were people of faith. Wrong faith, but people of faith. Why? They made practical daily decisions based on a realm they couldn't see. 
They put rulers and people in authority based on a realm they couldn't see. They just got that realm wrong. But yet they were people of faith. Many of those false things have more faith than Christians today. Because we've made it all about intellect. But the Bible says we understand by faith. Study helps, but you understand by faith. Let's go read it. Hebrews 11, where are we? For by it, by what? By faith, the elders, who are the elders? That's the patriarchs, obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed. Just for the, 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 the scholars that I missed, it's interesting that it doesn't say world. Worlds. That the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen are not made out of things which are visible. Friends, there's a process here. There's a process in faith. Look at the story of this building. Because we cannot limit faith to a point in time. Please don't do that. I did that for years. Many people do. We limit it to a point in time. There's a need. Maybe it's a sickness or an illness, which some people are facing in, in dire ways right now. Maybe it's a provision issue. So we go and we pray, or we, or we trust God, or we go into the whatever, whatever it is for you. And we say, well, you know, Jesus, no, oh, it didn't work. Didn't have enough faith. No, 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 no. No. <laughs> you limit faith to a point in time. Abraham, the father of faith, tried to make things happen his own way. He slept with Hagar, they needed this, they needed that, yet he was the father of faith. Because there was a process developing in his heart. This building, the story of this building. I don't have time to go over it for the visitors. This is an amazing story to this building. Just go, wow, it was amazing. It was. There's an amazing story to this building. But friends, the truth is that it just we had to make decisions with no reportable evidence before us. Just based on and impressions and dreams and literal dreams. Stuff that God has put in our heart. Not dreams in terms of, oh, I dream. Like sleeping dream. That God had shown us and put in our heart. So we made decisions with nothing in front of us. But people don't see the, the, the walk behind the scenes. There were times where I'd feel physically ill. Because if it didn't come to pass, we had nowhere to go. We had no building, no church, nothing. We were all out of money. Everything that was before us said, you're crazy. But God had spoken. That journey of faith looks nice when I'm up here. You ask my wife what it looked like back home. I'm not like Abraham who was just never wavered. I wavered. So I got back on my knees, saying, God, show me again. Surely this is you. But I could not do that if I didn't know that he's good. I could not do that if I didn't know him, him, personal. I couldn't do that because everything I would just doubt, well, maybe it's me and maybe it's my fault. If I hadn't wrestled through that, I'm not a sin-conscious person. I'm a Christ-conscious person. It's not based on me. It's based on his work for my behalf. All that stuff so that you can actually take a journey of faith. The journey with my son. Sorry. Friends, I remember when he was a baby and he would sit and all his skin around his neck would be gone. And every part just raw, literally raw. We didn't even know what was wrong with him. And we found out all the allergies, incredible stuff. And you think I didn't pray for him? Fast for him? Wept for him? Again and again. Five years. But you don't limit faith to a point in time. 
Well, I didn't have enough faith, sorry, you know. And of course I wavered. But you just, and it's, that's, that's a testimony. There's many things that I don't yet have a testimony for, but I stand in faith. The amount of times I've prayed for my father's back, who's got filled with metal, literally. I used to, <laughs> we used to joke about sticking magnets on him, but I just don't think it's magnetic. <laughs> the amount of times that I've wanted to see that thing break because of what God can do through them. It's just a hindrance to the kingdom. Not yet answered. I'm not offended at God because of it. Because he's good. He's entrusted earth to man. Our son did get healed. Some do, some don't. Friends, it's okay to say when you're on a journey of faith, I don't know. I don't know. Someone said this, when pastors and leaders and parents and teachers or whatever are forced to come up with answers for something that God is not now answering, it's the birthplace of blasphemous doctrine. Because we're forced to give an answer when we actually don't know. I'd rather have someone, I don't know. I just don't know. But I'm still in faith. I stand in faith. Some of the people of old died in faith. What a way to live. What a way to live. They knew God. And so they saw different. Because faith is a way of seeing. It's not just this unbelievable ability to believe something. I believe in healing. And I believe in wonders. And I believe in that stuff with all my heart. Belief is not the issue. It's something that God is working in me. God doesn't want anyone to perish. People perish. One of the greatest issues in the church is actually the sovereignty of God. He is absolutely sovereign. I'm treading very carefully here. But he's not sovereign to the degree that we just say, well, whatever happens, happens. There's a partnership. There's an aligning with how he thinks. Hello? He knows the beginning from the end. But there's an alignment. God, I want to think like you. That's why I renew my mind. I want to see like you see. When I see that drug addict, when I see that prostitute, when I see that greedy man who's never at home because it's just whatever, do I see him like God sees? That comes actually from a journey of faith. You begin to see different. Faith. By faith, let me go into this. Help us, Lord. That's two verses. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. That the things which were seen are not made out of things which are visible. By faith, we understand. Say that with me. By faith, we understand. Okay, not with your intellect. By faith. What is faith? We went over it. You understand because of that. You understand spiritual things by faith, not with your mind. Until your mind is aligned with his mind. Until your thinking is aligned with his thinking. You know how many Christians walk around offended at God? Extremely offended at God. One day they're going to arrive in heaven and realize they were wrong. Honestly. He is not the author of stuff that happens. He's not the author of a lot of the stuff that we get mad at him about. 
He's entrusted earth to man. There is an enemy. We live in a fallen world. He desires for us. He has given everything we need for life and godliness. He's not moved by human need like we think. He's moved by faith. Those through who obedience and a loving heart start to align themselves. Not to earn. We already have love. Not to earn salvation. We already have that. Not to earn righteousness. We already have that. But because of what we have, we step into alignment with him. We become free from our old selves, free from everyone else. Because you cannot worry about your reputation to be a man of a woman of faith. That's an impossibility. So you begin to step out and stand in place for God and with God, and you begin to think like Him and act like Him and talk like Him and pray like Him and do stuff like Him because you see different. Because you understand that this entire world, everything that you see was made by stuff you cannot see. There are certain things we struggle to understand about the Lord. One of them being the person and the activity of the Holy Spirit. We struggle to understand it. The Bible describes it like wind. He says he blows wherever he wants. He goes wherever he wants. And so we try to pin it down. Well, that was the Holy Spirit and that wasn't and we get all analytical. But it's a relational issue. It's a relational issue. It's what I call the paralysis of analysis. I'm sure you've all heard it. They analyze it to the point where they, uh, and then they're stuck. And Jesus said to the Pharisees, why are you so reasoning in your heart? Why are you allowing your reasoning to affect the fact that I'm standing in front of you as the Messiah and you cannot see me? John 5, you search the scriptures, for in them you think is eternal life. Jesus saying this, but these are they, the scriptures, which speak of me, yet you have come to me. Saying, you know the word of my heart because of your intellect, but the word speaks of me, I'm standing in front of you and you can't see me, because there's no relationship. There are certain things we struggle to understand. When the Holy Spirit comes to move in a demonstrative way, but it's very hard to explain the movement of the Holy Spirit. But I will, know, I will tell you this. Those who are experiencing it, just know that it's God and that it's good. Get them to try to explain it. Well, well, this happened. Um, well, I don't, uh, yeah, sorry, I, it's, it was awesome. Because it's God. And eventually you'll know if it was God because you know it by its fruit. You don't know it by the shaking or whatever, you know it by fruit. And if there's no fruit, we had a, I don't know why I'm going down this road, we had a lady one day, young day, many years ago, we prayed for her, the power of God hit her. She was a visitor. She shook, uh, it's true, before the Lord, this is true. She shook for three days, physically. That freaked me out a little bit. I'm being real with you. I thought, all right, God, like you're done now. You know, we sent her home like that to her parents, who did not do any of that stuff. I didn't know what to do. I was a bit nervous, so I made one of the youth take her home. I was like, I ain't going, you take her. We sent her home. Parents called us up two weeks later. Please, can you come and visit us? Literally on the way over, we're like, here we go. We're in for it now, baby. This is going to be an interesting... We sit down. We have dinner. It's very pleasant, but it's awkward. They send all the children away. All right, children, go. We're going to speak to these two. They start to weep and start to cry. And they say, what you did for her, can you do for our other child? She came home, tore off all her music posters, got rid of all her stuff, books, CDs, everything, everything there was of the world. She got rid of it. That's called fruit. You know them by their fruit. We didn't tell her to do any of that. Something was put in her heart. 
She believed in something she couldn't see. Faith was born. And so she started to live different. No one told her to, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. It's hard to understand sometimes the unseen. Faith is anchored in the unseen. It's anchored in the way things are in heaven right now. That's what it's anchored into. What are things like in heaven now? That's what faith is anchored to. And I'll read you a little bit more, then we'll be done. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark. By faith, Abraham obeyed. By faith, he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, Sarah received strength. What's the point? Faith is active. But it starts in the heart. It's stored, actually, in the heart. We'll get into that next week. Faith is stored in your heart. It's not stored in your mind. It's stored in your heart. Your mind has to change, but your heart knows deep inside of you. The elders obtained. Abel offered. Enoch was taken. Noah actually built an ark. Friends, think about it. No rain. Built an ark on dry land, not even by the sea. There was no sea. Go home. Start building a massive boat in your backyard. Think about it. It took him 120 years. You want to talk about a journey of faith? He says, hey, son, when his sons are growing up, Dad, what do you do? You know, when that son realizes one day, my dad doesn't exist for me. No ways. Like, you know, children, my parents exist for me. And then they realize one day my parents don't exist for me. They actually have their own life. What do you do? You know, that realization that we must all come to. Then, then they, he says, well, son, I, I go up the mountain in the morning and, and I cut down trees and I bring them back. And now you're going to join me. Probably did that for 60 years. <coughs> Took him 120 years to build the ark. There's a lot of cutting. What are we going to do tomorrow? Well, we're going to get up in the morning. We're going to go up the mountain. We're going to cut the tree down and bring it back. What are we going to do the next day? Well, going to get up in the morning. <laughs> going to go up the mountain. Says he did it by faith. Dad, why we what is this thing? It's called an ark. God's called a boat, an ark. What is that? Well, we'll kind of figure it out as we go. Just think about it, friends. Nothing that he could see. Faith. Faith. He knew it in his heart. It was caught up in his heart. Abraham went out, the Bible says, not knowing where he was going. You can imagine how I felt about that scripture when last year. Lord, I don't know where we're going. He's like, yep, I know. For the comfort, Lord. This is what James is talking about when he says, faith without works is dead. Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. And people have said that means faith to earn salvation is not that at all. It's just that simply when faith is doing something in your heart, eventually you're going to have to do something. You're going to have to do something. Because faith is active. They did all these things are action words. Faith is substance. Faith is evidence. Faith is how to see. Faith is a way of seeing. That's patriarchal faith. It was a way of seeing. Faith is not limited to a point in time. Faith understands. Faith is active. It's active. Next week, there are different types of faith. We're going to go into that. How does faith come? How does faith grow? How do we deal with disappointments of faith? Faith in warfare. Faith in warfare. Very, very, very important. Faith inherits. Faith inherits. It's very important. Friends, there's a journey of faith. Some of you in this room, some of you in this room right now are facing some severe 
trial of faith. I just want to set you free on one thing. When Jesus, if you look at all the times that Jesus said, you have little faith, or why did you not have enough faith? I've seen people say that to others, and it absolutely kills them. Absolutely kills them. You know that most of the time Jesus said that? He was actually talking about their understanding of God. He said, why do you, have, why, why do you lack faith? You go look. I've, this week I went and looked at every single time that was said. Most of it he was saying, you don't see God like he is. And because you can't see God like he is, it's hard for you to actually have faith in this if you don't even know what the will of God is because you don't know his heart, you don't know his character. It's got nothing to do with, in a sense, well, I'm bad or I'm wrong. No, it's a process. It's a process. Now, can we, can we do something as a group, as a body, as a family? Some of you are facing severe, some even life and death in the family, some severe diagnoses, some of you are facing severe things. If you are facing something, friends, sometimes, oh, help me Lord. When these things happen, and we try to have, oh, I'm trying to have faith. The greatest faith you can have is to understand how much God loves that person. Don't try to muster something up that's not in your heart. So if you're facing a challenge or a severe circumstance, could you stand? We're not going to call them out. We're not going to say what they are. I'll tell you why I'm going to ask you to stand. It's so that this is a body. We can stand with you. We can pray with you. We can, you can be strengthened. There's something called corporate faith in the Bible. You can strength, we can strengthen. If you're facing something, whatever it may be, could you stand, please? That'll be great. You're facing something. Many. Can we begin to pray? Don't pray. Don't have faith in faith. Have faith in God. It's his desire, it's his will. Can we just, we're going to sing a song, but before we sing a song, same, sorry, I'll be with you. Before we sing a song, I wonder if we could just pray for these guys. You don't have to ask them questions. Just pray. Jesus, reveal your heart, reveal your will. Move on their behalf. In, intervene. Just begin to pray. Just begin to pray. Because we own this as a body. Yeah? So can we pray? Do you go for it now. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to go off the mic. Just begin to pray. After a few moments, we're going to worship God together. Because no matter what, He is still great. Amen? Let's pray for these people.